The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And we're also located in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building. And now we're able to serve clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Go visit our website at ellenbecker.com for more insight and more details of how we might be able to help you and your family. Today we're going to be talking about um, scores and numbers. And what I'm referring to is your FICO score and uh, your numbers here. In fact, when I was preparing for the show, I read an article from the U.S. News that posed the question, if you had to choose whether to uh, disclose your weight or your credit score, which which would you choose? And the interesting um, statistic was the study revealed that 70% would rather disclose their weight rather than their credit score. And I found that interesting. Credit scores can be so confusing. In fact, what you think might improve your credit score might actually lower your credit score. And to clear up some of this confusion, I'd like to welcome a guest. We have Rod Griffin, and he is the Director of Public Education for Experian. So, Rod, welcome to the show, and uh, share with us a little bit about your background and what um, what role you play at Experian. Gene, thank you so much for having me. And I'm always excited to talk to people about credit reports and credit scores and I'm happier to share my credit score than my weight, so <laughs> my weight needs to go down. My credit score is not doing too bad. Um, but I'm responsible for helping people understand what credit reports are and credit scores are, how they work, and how they can be empowered to improve their scores if they need to, and how they can manage it if they're they're doing all right. Uh, and that's what Experian really is committed to, is helping people understand how credit reports and scores work so they can become more financially successful. That's what we want to do, is to help people and to do that by being innovative in the services we provide and helping engage and and uh, educate people so that they don't see scores as being uh, confusing or mysterious, but instead see them as a financial tool. That's what we really want to do. Perfect. Well, before we even get into um, how to help people improve their score, Let's get back to the basics, because I know when I hear FICO score and credit report, there's a lot of questions that run through my mind. And I thought, you know what, let's go back to the basics and let's just talk about what is a credit score. So share with our sure. listeners today, what, what's a credit score? Yeah, a, a credit score is just a tool that lenders and other businesses use to help evaluate the information in a credit report to help them manage risk. So lenders use credit scores to help them determine whether or not a person will repay a debt as agreed. So uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. One of the ways that I describe it is a credit score is kind of like a grade on a school paper with everybody getting out for summer right now. Uh, 
you know, the kids are all getting out of school. So this is my first day to drive into the job without having to go through the school zones. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, so I got here a lot faster. But, you know, the grade, a, report, a score is like a grade on a paper. The credit report is like the paper. So as a person who's using credit, you decide how you're going to use that credit. How much are you going to charge each month? How much are you going to pay each month? Are you going to apply for a new loan? Are you paying a loan off? That information builds that paper, kind of like a student writing a paper for English. They decide what goes into that paper. The credit score is like the grade that the teacher would give to that paper. So when you turn in your your school paper, the teacher looks at that, determines the quality of that paper, and then assigns a grade. And that's kind of like, in a very simple way, what credit scores do. You produce that credit report in the way that you manage your credit, and when you that report's used by a lender, got, uh, received by a lender, they can then score that paper, and that score reflects how good that credit report is in terms of the risk it represents. So the credit score is really taking all the data from the credit reports and compiling exactly. That. All right. Exactly. So I, there's yeah. different credit reports, and how do these companies get all their data, all the the metrics? Yeah, so, sure, they're. Three national credit reporting companies, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Uh, Experian has been around for now more than 100 years. Uh, so, and, and started out as uh, a person uh, named Mr. Chilton, who, Jim Chilton, in Dallas, and I happen to be in our Allen, Texas office, which is a Dallas suburb, and started with taking notes, going to the various merchants in Dallas and writing down information about who, how the people they served, their customers, managed the credit relationships they've had. That then eventually evolved into um, a more sophisticated system that then became with TRW, with a person named Cy Ramos, the R in, in uh, TRW, developing in the, in the late 1960s, early 1970s, a computerized credit reporting system that looked at the data around how people pay their uh, uh, credit and consolidating that information, and then in the in the old 80s, early 90s, credit scores then evolved to analyze that information. But Experian collects information from thousands and thousands of lenders, primarily but businesses, and compiles that information into a credit report that can be used to evaluate the risk of doing business with a person. So does that person pay their debts well or do they not? That's kind of the fundamental question. So if you do pay your, your existing debts well and have in the past, you'll probably pay uh, well in the future and you know, manage your debts well in the future. And so it would be a low risk. And that's what credit reporting companies really do. We collect and store information and in a format that can be used by businesses to help predict risk and can be used by you as an individual to help qualify for the services you need. So you can use that credit report as a financial tool, and that's what we really, again, want to help people do. It helps create access to financial services and quality credit, and you should be able to walk into your lender and know exactly what they're going to see and know that you'll be able to qualify. It shouldn't be a mystery. Well, what's interesting is we recently bought a car, my husband and I, 
and they ran a credit score and report on both of us. And I being the financial planner, my number was a little lower than his, and he chuckled at that. And the reason being is every now and then I open up different credit cards at a retail store to get a discount, and I think that actually hurt my credit score. And we're going to talk about more of that in the future um, during today's call, but I just thought you'd find that a little interesting and a little humorous. I know my husband brings it up um, whenever he can. Um, we talked a little bit about the three different agencies. Are they created equal? Yes, just back to your husband having a better score. That's unusual because women actually typically have better scores than men on average. Um, my wife has a better score has than I do, and I work for experience, so I thought that wasn't quite fair somehow, but <laughs> scores tend, tend to be a little better than mine. Um, very Fortunately, they're both very good. Um, but the credit reporting companies are national in scope. We actually compete with one another, kind of like the car companies. So if you think of Ford and General Motors and Chrysler in the U.S., uh, we, they all make cars, and they all kind of do it in a similar way. You know, they have an engine and four wheels and steering wheel. But they do it a little bit differently among them. And so credit reporting companies are similar in that sense. We all do credit reporting. We collect and store information. But we do it a little bit differently. Uh, and Experian has uh, what we call a relational database. Ours is sort of the newest platform. It's been around now for um, since just before I joined the company. I've been with Experian now uh, a little over 21 years, and uh, we have uh, a very sophisticated system. We compete on the accuracy of information we have, the depth and breadth of that information. We want to make sure that we have the most accurate, most complete information to help people get access to those financial tools and, and help businesses connect with people uh, in making loans that are safe and secure. And so that's the way we compete. And we are national in scope, so very similar in size. Well, that clears that up. Every now and then you see commercials on TVs, on uh, the TV, where they're offering free credit scores. Um, big question out there is, should you ever have to pay for your credit score? And if a financial institution is providing some free scores out there, is it really a FICO score? What exactly are they trying to convey? Yeah, they and they are real and legitimate scores. Uh, you can get free scores from a number of different sources. You can get free scores from Experian uh, as well. Uh, we have an app. So if you visit the, the app store, you can get the Experian app and get a free FICO score. Uh, in our case, it's a FICO 8 model, uh, but they are real legitimate scores. There are lots of different credit scores out there. Uh, so lenders use different scores depending on the type of lending that they do. Uh, they use different scores depending on the type of lender they are. So, for example, if you're buying a car, the lender may use a, a score developed specifically for auto lending. If you're buying a house, there are scores specifically for mortgage lending. If you're working with a national bank, they may use a different score than a small credit union, for example, because the customers are different, and so they have scores that help them predict risk based on the characteristics of the, the people they serve. So there are lots of different credit scores. There are three national credit reporting companies, so you don't have three scores. You have potentially three different credit reports, 
but you could have lots and lots of different credit scores depending on the type of lending and the type of lender. Uh, but they are real uh, and real scores. It's important to know what score you're receiving so that you know what the scale is and what that score represents in terms of risk within that scale. Uh, so you should receive that information anytime you get a score. And from experience, you would get that score. The other thing that's important to know is that you should get the risk factors that go with that score. So if you just get a number, that's nice to know. gives you a sense of where you stand in terms of risk. The risk factors that go with that score would tell you what from your credit report is most affecting that score. So understanding those risk factors is empowering because it tells you what you need to work on specifically in your credit history to make that score better. Uh, and the risk factors tend to be very consistent from one score to another. So that, that can help you improve all of your scores if you address the risk factors that you receive from one score. Well, you know, I'm just going to touch on one comment that you made when you're applying for an auto loan versus a mortgage. I did read that if you are applying for an auto loan, they're going to be more honed in on how current you are with all your auto loan payments versus some other debt that you might have. And that would definitely come into play more, uh, again, when you're buying that new car. So it was kind of interesting to see that they, they're not just looking at one number and your ability to pay back. They're looking at the areas of debt that you have and how you've been um, paying those uh, debts back. So uh, interesting. We're going to take a little break. Um, before I break, though, I do want to let everybody know that on Tuesday, June uh, 26, from 6 to 8, in our Education Center, we're going to be hosting Part 3 of uh, EIG Family Wealth Series, Investing 101. And if you want to learn more about that, go to our website at ellenbecker.com. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about how the FICO score is calculated and what the ranges are and so on. So with that, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today, we are lucky to have Rod Griffin, who's the Director of Public Education at Experian with us. And we're talking about FICO scores, credit reports. Um, we're starting to see more and more um, companies offering free FICO scores. And we're seeing in the news, there's some reports. So we thought, what a timely topic. Um, and to get an expert on our show to kind of explain um, what a FICO score is and what we can do to improve ours if we need to do that. We've, I, I'd like to start this segment by talking about the five main credit score factors, um, a little bit on what they are and do they have the same weighting in the overall score. So, Rod, could you share with us a little bit on what goes into this calculation? Sure, and it's really pretty straightforward. The credit scores, whether they're from FICO, who's a credit scoring company that's probably the best known credit scoring company in the marketplace, of Vantage Score, who's a competitor from other sources, they're all looking at your credit report, and they're all looking at basically the same categories of information. The first thing that a credit score is going to look at will be your payment history. Are you paying your bills on time? Or are you late? And if your payments are late, how late are they? That's the most important factor in every credit score that's out there. You have to pay your bills on time every single time to have good credit scores. 
So as you say that, before we go on to the next factor, if I pay my bills early, or if let's say I have uh, $54 due on a bill and I pay $60, do do I get any extra credit points for that? Yeah, there's not really, no, there's no extra credit, but because you've paid on time and at least the minimum due, those are the two things that they're going to look at. Uh, so your your payment was on time, even if it's early, as long as it's there by the due date, that's what's important, and that you have made at least the minimum due. Those are the two factors. So paying early doesn't really do more to improve the credit scores, but it should give you peace of mind because you know that bill's on time and, and taken care of. So uh, from a stress level, it helps from a credit score standpoint. It doesn't. The key is it's on time. Perfect. Yeah. So what are some of the other factors that are involved? Just um, those two items, that you paid the minimum and that it was on time? Right. From a, from a payment history standpoint, that's what the scores are looking at. Did you pay the bill on time, meaning by the due date and at least the minimum due? That's the most important factor in credit scores. That's going to be... 35 to 40% of a credit score, roughly, give or take, depending on the rest of your credit history, but 35 to 40%. The second most important factor in credit scores is what we call utilization rate. And that's simply your balance to limit ratio on your credit cards. So you want to have a low balance as compared to your credit limits. The lower, the better. Ideally, if you can pay your balance in full each month, that's going to do the most to improve your credit scores. Uh, people with the best credit scores, based on surveys that experience done, have utilization rates of less than 10%. So when you talk about utilization rate, are you referring to if my credit limit is um, 5000 that I don't use any more than 10% of that credit limit? Right. Your utilization rate is simply if you add up all of your balances on your credit cards, and all of the credit limits, and you divide that total balance by the total limit, you get a balance limit ratio, or what we call a utilization rate. Uh, so if you have a $5,000 credit limit and you, use, uh, you have a $2,500 limit, you would have a 50% utilization rate on that card. Perfect. So pretty simple. Um, and that's as good as my math gets. I'm not an engineer so. <laughs> or a mathematician. My background's journalism. So um, you keep it simple on the math front. Um, but your payment history, your utilization rate, pardon me, is, is your balance to limit ratio. Uh, and that, the, another important thing to understand about utilization rate is that they look at both your total utilization rate across all of your credit cards, or what we call revolving accounts, as well as your utilization rate on individual accounts. So it's bad to max out one card, even if you've paid off all the rest and have no balance on the other cards. So you want to keep your balances low in total and on, in, on your individual cards. Um, one other important thing to understand is that what the credit scoring companies tell us is that you never want your utilization rate to be more than 30%. So you don't want your, your utilization to be more than 30% of your available credit limits. And that's looking at all your cards and debt. Does that also include right. mortgage or just revolving credit? does not. Yeah, just in, in utilization rate applies just to your, your revolving accounts, your credit card accounts. So another factor when um, calculating a FICO score is the length of credit history. Expand Correct. on that a little bit. So, 
Sure. So what we call depth of credit. So how long have you used your credit? How long have your accounts been open? What is the mix of accounts that you have over time? So do you have credit cards as well as installment loans or something like a car loan or a mortgage loan? Those build over time. There's nothing you can do to change that over, overnight. So you know, it, it's not a good idea to go out and apply for a credit card, an auto loan, and a mortgage loan in one day to try to make your credit scores better because that won't help. Your lender's going to look at that and go, why are you applying for all this stuff all at once? That's probably going to hurt you. But over time, you're going to use those different kinds of accounts. That's what the, the, the length of your credit history or depth of credit is about. And those build on paying your bills on time and keeping your balances low. So if you are doing those first two things, your length of credit history is going to uh, grow on its own. And I had um, read that that's only about 15% of your overall FICO score. Um, Right. So FICO scores, it's going to be 15%. Vantage score, it's going to be around 20 or 21%. So 15 to 20% of the score uh, is going to be depth of credit. Another factor is new credit. And when we talk about inquiries, um, and I remember a client sharing this story. He was car shopping, and every dealer that he went to, they actually did an inquiry to see if he would qualify for a loan. As he moved from dealer to dealer, his score got lower. And he didn't realize anytime there's an inquiry on opening up credit, that can impact your FICO score. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. Uh, so the, in terms of auto lending today and mortgage lending, lenders, w- the car dealers will what we call shotgun your application. And they do that to try to find the best terms for you. And from a scoring standpoint, that's okay, because what they do now is credit scores recognize you're trying to buy one car or one house. So all of those inquiries, which an inquiry is just a record of who's looked at your credit report, and they indicate that you've applied for new credit, and so there might be a new debt that's not known yet. So that's why they can affect scores a little bit. When you're buying a car... The scoring systems recognize those inquiries as being for that car loan application and will only count them as one inquiry for the purposes of, of calculating a score with the older systems, older scoring systems. So they will have very little or no effect on that credit score. And with the newest scoring systems, FICO 9, Vantage Score 3.0 or 4.0, they will exclude those inquiries completely from that score calculation. So you can shop for the best car loan, you can shop for the best auto loan, or the best mortgage loan, pardon me, and not have to worry about that affecting your credit scores. That is good so, to know. Yeah. So, uh, and that's evolved over. You know, that's been the case now for a number of years. Uh, but you don't have to worry about shopping for the best rates, which is important because that can mean thousands and thousands of dollars in interest rates if you don't get the best terms. So uh, scores recognize that. So what if you have dormant cards? Um, we just talked about new credit. I had heard actually closing credit cards or having dormant cards can actually reduce your score. Is that true? Um, it can because for two reasons. It really relates to the utilization rate. If you close a credit card, you lose the available credit limit for that card, which causes your utilization rate to go up. And so that can affect scores. 
That impact, though, is typically temporary, only a, a month or two, because it's clear that you didn't take on a lot of new debt. You closed an account. And that's why if you're planning to apply for credit, say an auto loan that we just talked about or a mortgage loan, we recommend that you don't close any accounts until you've completed that process. For that reason, it could cause your scores to dip a little bit initially, although they will rebound. Uh, so it's better if you're going to apply for uh, a new credit that you not close an account until that's completed. Or if you're going to close an account, make sure you do it three months or six months before you apply so that it has time to recover. Uh, so it's better to leave them alone if, if you're planning to apply for credit. Um, so that it's about utilization rate. Perfect. And the, and the last factor that goes into calculating a FICO score is really the types of credit used. And we've talked a little bit about that already today. Um, but what you're referring to is diversifying the type of uh, loans and credit you have out there, correct? Exactly. Yeah, it's You want to have, over time, again, different types of credit usage. And you kind of naturally do that. It's not something you can do over, again, you can't, you can't really do that overnight. You can't go out and apply. You could go out and apply. It wouldn't be a good idea. But you, can, you can't change your scores overnight by going to and applying for a credit card and a, a mortgage loan and a car loan and you know, an installment loan at the local store. Um, you, that's not a good plan to do all at once. But over time, over years, you'll, be, you'll have that sort of mix. And that's what... Uh, scoring systems are looking at in your credit report. Have you used different kinds of credit, and have you done so successfully? So good to do that over time. Um, another thing I would add when we talk about recent credit or new credit, it's not just about inquiries, and that's often a, a misperception. Inquiries are part of that, but that recent credit category will also look at things like have you taken on more debt recently? Have you paid debt off recently? What's happened in the last three to six months? In addition to applying for new credit, have there been other changes as well? So it's a bit more than just inquiries. All right. So now that we know um, what goes into calculating your FICO score, let's talk about the ranges and the number and what it means. So um, what's the best FICO score that you could get out there right now? (laughs) It depends on the scoring model that's being used. Uh, there isn't just one FICO score, uh, and there are other credit scoring companies as well with different ranges. So the traditional FICO score has a, a range of about 300 to about 850. Uh, if you're looking at a FICO score for auto lending, that could go as high as 920. So it depends on the scale that's used for that particular score. Uh, but if you have a score that's 750 and above, you're going to be in great shape. You really probably don't need to worry about it. But uh, the, the, the idea isn't to have a perfect score. It's to have a credit score that's good enough to get the credit you need at the rates you want to pay. Um, so um, it's hard to get a perfect score. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a brief, uh, brief break when we get back. We're going to talk about um, how to improve your score and some other aspects. So with that, let's take a break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And we are on the phone with Rod Griffin, who is the Director of Public Education at Experian. And we're learning just a ton of information on 
um, credit scores, credit reports. And I know when I start today's or this segment, I really want to talk about ways of improving your credit score. But I want to take a step back because throughout the show, I've been referring to FICO scores. And Rod, during the break, you had shared there's so much more beyond FICO scores. So do you want to share with our audience what we were talking about? Sure. You know, FICO is a credit scoring company, a very, very good company, great company, best-known scoring company in the marketplace. But as things change, we're seeing more and more companies that produce credit scores. So there's a company, for example, called Vantage Score that competes with FICO. And so when you say FICO, it's almost like saying Xerox or Kleenex, you know, instead of tissue um, or photocopy machine. And because they've been so ubiquitous and, and so strong and are such a good company. But there are competitors, and I think it's important for people to understand that so that if you see a score that doesn't fit the scale you're familiar with uh, or you hear a different name, you don't panic and go, well, what's that mean or is that a real score? You know, their real scores are just from different companies, and you know, want people to be aware of that. So if you see something from Vantage Score, it's just a competing scoring company just as real, just as, as genuine, and, just, and used um, just like a FICO score uh, or score from FICO. Uh, so you know, you know, it's, it's something that I think people are going to see more and so need to be aware of. And I appreciate you taking the time to explain that because you're right, throughout the show I've been referring to that. So let's jump into this segment's topic where what do you do and how do you improve your credit score? Yeah, and it's I, kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, say the number doesn't matter, uh, but of course it does. You know, if you're applying for a loan, you're sitting with a lender, that number is very, very important. But it doesn't matter in terms of making it better because you have to know what to do to make it better, and it's just a number, right? What you have to do to make your scores better is improve your credit report. So it's all about the credit report. I always tell people, set aside the number. It's nice to know. gives you a sense of where you stand in terms of risk. But to be empowered, you have to fix that credit report. You have to improve it. So it goes back to focusing on the credit report. Get your credit report and then use the risk factors you get with the score to make that report better. Well, what happens if you find errors on your credit report? How do you resolve that? Well, first, we hope you don't. And <laughs> we, that's our, our goal. And, and, and we said at Experian and the, the the head of our credit reporting business has said, we have a goal of being 100% accurate by 2020 with any information that would affect credit scores. And we're very close. Uh, you know, FTC has said that uh, only about 5% of credit reports contain errors that would affect scores. So we're not quite there, but we're getting better. If you do find something you believe is inaccurate, you should dispute that information. And we strongly encourage you to do that. At Experian, we've just launched a new dispute system online that you can go to it makes it very easy to dispute the information work through that process all you have to do is go to experience.com disputes and if you have a report that's current that's your consumer report you can enter the report number and your report will come up on the screen and you just click on i need to dispute this click on that button and follow the the, the instructions if you don't have a report already, we'll give you a free one at Experian. Just fill out the information that we ask for. We'll provide a free report right there on the spot. And that's separate from your free annual credit report that you can get under federal law. So another way to get a free report as well. Um, once you're in that system, 
there's a button that says I need to dispute this. You just click on the dispute button for the account or the information you're looking at, and we'll walk you through that process step by step. Very easy to do. Um, and we've listened to people very closely. They've given us feedback. We include education information along the way to help you understand what you're looking at, what it means, and what you can do about it. So try to be as helpful and as empowering to people as we can be to give them control over that process. So we're very proud of, of, of what we've done there and trying to be innovative in, in how we help people. So if somebody disputes something on the report with Experian, do you communicate that to the other credit reporting agencies? If there's a change as a result of a dispute, we do not notify the other bureaus. However, the source of that information, usually a lender, is required by law to do so because that's who knows where they reported it. Uh, you know, a lender doesn't necessarily report your account to all three of the credit reporting companies. Uh, they don't have to report at all, and they can choose to report to just one or two. Uh, the vast majority do report to all three of the bureaus. So. Uh, if they make a change with us, that lender should notify the others to change their information as well. Uh, and the reason is we don't know if they reported it or if they've reported it to other organizations, and the law recognizes that and says if you change something as a result of a dispute, the lender has to tell everybody they reported that information to to make sure it's changed. So when you think about um, disputing a uh, credit report entry or just trying to improve your number, about how long does it take to rebuild a good credit score? Well, it, it depends. And I yeah. laugh when I say that because that's, that's kind of the answer to every question. Uh, it depends on that person's individual credit report and their credit history. There are about 220 million people with credit reports, and they're all unique, and they're all different. So it depends on what that credit history looks like. Uh, if there have been lots of issues, you know, delinquencies, late payments, charge-offs, collections, or is there just one late payment that life happened and you need to catch up? You know, if you just have one small thing and you make a change, it could be right back to where it was in a month or so. If you've had bankruptcy or other severe issues, it could take a number of years to improve that credit history. It just depends on that, that credit history and what's happened. The good news is that you can change it regardless of, of how severe the issues have been. You can make that credit history better over time. It's not permanent. So when you think about all the different things that could be on somebody's credit report, and if they look at the source of the late payment, so if I have a late payment with a hospital or a doctor's office versus a late payment with a retail credit card, is there any difference there? Yeah, and, and medical, medical debts are a great topic to bring up because medical debts themselves don't appear in credit reports unless they've become a collection account. And we've made some changes with regard to how medical collections are reported. We will not include a medical collection for six months. So if it's reported to us, we hold that medical collection for six months before we put it on the credit report to make sure that it's really a collection account and not a billing error or a dispute with the insurance company, that sort of thing. So medical collections are a little bit unique, uh, but you can see each of those entries in the credit report. Uh, you will see how they are, um, what type of account they are, what your association is with that account, and 
they may be weighed differently by credit scores depending on the purpose of that score. Like we talked about earlier, you know, auto loans may weigh uh, car loan payments more heavily than a mortgage uh, score would because they're looking at whether you'll pay your mortgage on time. Uh, and a credit card company might weigh your credit card payments more heavily than an auto loan because they care about your credit card. So, yes, they could be weighed differently depending on the type of, of lender lending and, and what they're looking at. So is this one of the changes that took place in April? Because I did read that beginning in April, <laughs> excuse me, um, some people might find their credit scores improving. Is this one of the changes that might cause that? It was uh, actually not April. This was an, the medical collection account was earlier um, over the last year or so. But we did make a significant change this April in the credit reporting industry. We no longer include public records in your credit report. So you won't see things like civil judgments or small claims judgments. You wouldn't see, uh, in the past, we used to include things like library fines. Uh, and that's not been the case for quite a long time now. Uh, but we've taken all of those public records out. And as a result, if you had... Uh, a civil judgment on your credit report it would be gone and your scores might improve a little bit. Uh, typically what we see, though, is if there's that sort of information, there's other kinds of negative information for most people uh, that have a civil judgment or a public record. So it offsets it a, a bit, but you probably won't see your scores improve a whole lot uh, as a result of that change. Uh, but there have been other changes as well. The way we treat medical collections is, is different. Credit scoring companies like FICO and Vantage Score have also changed the way they, they treat collection accounts. So if you have a paid collection, their newest scoring systems would no longer include that in the score calculation. So paying a collection could help your credit scores right away today. Uh, so there have been a number of changes recently. Well, this has been um, informative. We're going to take one more break, and when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation with Rod Griffin, who, again, is the Director of Public Education for Experian. With that, let's take a break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and we have Rod Griffin here from Experian, and we're talking about credit scores, credit reports. And I thought we'd spend this last segment talking about getting a credit report and really reviewing it. So how do you go about getting a credit report? Sure. Getting a credit report is really simple. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, www.annualcreditreport.com, and get a free report from each of the national credit reporting companies once every 12 months. So it's not calendar year, so you can't get a report December 31st and another one January 1st. You have to wait for 12 months. That's the only catch. And you get that report from each of the national credit reporting companies, so you can actually get three. So that's the first place. You can also get a free report, as we discussed, if you need to dispute information at experian.com disputes. And there are other ways to get reports as well. If you subscribe to a credit monitoring service, for example, uh, for credit works at Experian, for example. So if you go to Experian.com, you can learn about those products and services. You can get unlimited access to credit reports. So there are lots of ways to get credit reports. So once you get that report, how do you review it, and what if you see some identity theft and all that stuff? Yeah, and that's what's so important. You know, we talk about credit scores a lot, but 
the thing to understand is your credit scores simply represent the information in the credit report. So when you get your credit report, focus on that report, look at it carefully. You'll see all of the different kinds of accounts you might have. So revolving accounts, which are just credit cards, installment loans, auto loans, mortgage loans. You'll see a record of who's looked at that credit report. You'll see all of your identifying information. You need to check that information very closely to make sure that it's all accurate. And if you see information that might be uh, the result of fraud, for example, you can file a, a fraud dispute through the same process. You can add a fraud alert. We want to make sure that we're protecting you as a consumer from fraud and identity theft, making sure that information is correct and accurate because we want to help you be financially successful. That And that's what you engaging the process can do. So check that report. Know what's there. If you see information that you don't recognize, a name you've never used, a Social Security number that doesn't belong to you, it could be an indicator of fraud. So it's really, really important to check the credit report and do so consistently because that will help you engage with us and work with us to make sure that it's all accurate and there to work for you, to protect you, and to help you gain access to the quality kinds of services and financial services you need. So get that credit report, check it at least once a year, know what's in it. It's free, so never pass up a freebie. Right. And, you know, that report, again, is what calculates your credit score. And a credit score can impact so many different aspects of your financial life. You know, with lenders, higher rates possibly, lower credit limits, you might even get declined. I know um, there are certain employment uh, positions where they actually look at credit scores to help determine um, employment opportunities. Well, they actually, I'll interrupt there. Uh, they don't get credit scores. So employers never get credit scores. That's one of the common myths about credit scores. They do get credit reports, but they don't look at a, a score. So um, and you're thank you for- right. It's using lots of other, uh, other kinds of decisions. So renting an apartment, um, getting utility service, getting a cell phone, can use credit reports and credit scores. So it's not just about getting that new credit card. What about insurance rates? Are insurance rates, um, auto and home, impacted by credit scores? Yes, they are. Insurance companies use scores developed specifically for insurance purposes that help them determine your ability to pay your premium on time uh, and to help predict claims rates uh, for their for their organization. So credit reports can be used for insurance purposes as well. I know we have a couple minutes left, and um, I wanted to uh, ask one additional question. Um, what happens if you marry somebody who doesn't have as good of a credit rating as you do, or um, something comes into play. But let's talk about marriage and credit ratings. Sure. You will both still have separate credit reports. Your credit histories are not merged when you when you marry. So if you had accounts prior to the marriage and they stay individual and you don't add your new spouse to that account, it wouldn't appear on your credit report. But if you apply for joint accounts, they're going to look at both your report and your new spouse. So a spouse with a poor credit history could affect your ability to qualify even though the, the reports themselves aren't merged. So it's important to work together to, to improve those credit histories uh, over time so that you can get the credit you need. So that might be an important question to ask when you're dating somebody. What's your score? <laughs> yeah, I said that. It's, kinda, it's one of those things that 
you know, the question now isn't what's your sign, it's what's your score. Might be the first thing you ask. That's right. Not a very good pickup line, though. Right. Well, this has been pretty informative. I think any uh, or all of our listeners know the importance of paying a bill on time and actually paying at least at a minimum, the minimum amount due, and looking at their credit report on a regular basis. And it's every 12 months. Like you said, it's not a calendar 12-month period. It's a 12-month period. Um, So I hope everybody takes an opportunity to look at their credit report. And if they find their score isn't as high as they'd like it to to take the steps to improve that score. And know that happens over time. And some repairs are done quicker than others. And know if you're young out there or you have children starting out, it's so important to start this process and build that credit history. Um, So then when they become adults and they're applying for mortgages, um, they have the best opportunity for the best rates and so on. With that, I do want to um, thank you, Rod, for spending the time with us today to talk about uh, credit scores and credit reports. I also want to let our listeners know, please go to our website at ellenbecker.com. I think you'll find some interesting articles on the markets, as well as you'll see a listing of our events that we have going on. Um, We do have an event coming up Tuesday, June 26th from 6 to 8. Ann Mank, who's a wealth advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group, she's going to be hosting a seminar perfect for young professionals. So if you want to learn more about that, give us a call. Our phone number is 262-691-3200. With that, always remember, we hope we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Thanks so much and have a great day.